0: here with Stephen.
1: I am twisting up and reversing the order of operations today on this podcast. Uh, usually we end with creator shoutouts, but I'm going to start with one because we were just talking about you. So Carrie, if you're out there, the Hogwarts professor, purveyor of all fine clothing things at ROR Apparel, miss you. Hope you're doing well. Um, yeah. Hello. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of Creating Magic. Thrilled to be here.
0: And Tyler.
2: Hey everyone, how are you doing?
0: So, to start off, why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, your house and your patronus.
2: Ooh, great questions. So, uh for those who don't know me, my name is Tyler. I am the president and creator of the Protego Foundation. Uh I am a very very proud Slytherin. Uh but my second house is Ravenclaw, so those ones always get kind of close. But it, it, Slytherin always edges out. Uh, And then my Patronus, you know, I have such a funny story when it comes to the Patronus because one day I was taking, when the actual Patronus test came out on Pottermore, uh, I accidentally took it on one of my side Pottermore Pottermore accounts. I have like four of them. Uh, And I got the Patronus that I wanted on that side account. And I was like, okay, hold on, wait. I'm sure that if I take it on my main account I'll get the exact same patronus, right? So on my side account I got a hawk and I've always loved birds, especially hawks. Uh and then so I took it on my main account and I got a stoat a stout? and they're like the little weasels that Hagrid makes sandwiches out of and tries to feed the tries to feed the trio. I was like, "Oh no, my 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 patronus is a sandwich filling." <laughs>
1: 100% falls into that kind of valley of various words I found throughout the series that I just assumed were like British cultural things that I just mm.
2: didn't know. Um, so that is something I have learned today. Hey, there you go. Yep. They're, they're in the like weasel slash ferret family. Uh, and they're adorable. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, if you have to choose between a hawk and a, and a stoat, I can never even say, because I always want to say stout, like a beer. Um <laughs> So that's not my Patronus either. But. My Patronus is a Guinness. <laughs> That'll definitely uh, cheer some people up. <laughs>
1: uh, it, look, it cheers, me, it cheers me up up into a point, at which point it just makes me very sad. Oh, uh, but that's just more of a Stephen story and not really one that we need to get into here. Tyler, where does your Harry Potter journey begin? Take us back to the first time you sat down to watch a movie, picked up the book. Where, where does this begin for you?
2: Yeah. I mean, like many people, my story with Harry Potter starts in 2000, the year 2000. And I was in school and my second grade teacher told us, hey, we're going to start a new book. It's really, really popular. We're just all going to read it together. And so we did, you know, like this group story time and she started reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And I Ugh, i just i immediately fell in love with the story. There was something about this idea of like school and going away and doing magic, but also like this sense of adventure and kinship and like companionship that really really spoke to me. I grew up in a in a family where you know my mother had really, really bad um really bad mental health trauma and because of that, we were never really able to go outside, like literally not allowed to go outside. I, it was incredibly difficult for me to make friends because, you know, I would get invited to sleepovers and to, uh, go to my friend's house and they would never, you know, I would never able to like go over there. Um, and so Harry Potter to me, was a way for me to escape the four walls that I found myself always in, you know, even though I couldn't go on adventures with my friends in real life, what I was able to do was go out and have adventures with Ron and Harry and Hermione and do all these fun, amazing things. And I think that's what also appealed to me about the idea of going from school, uh, like a way to like a boarding school, you know, that's not really a a really common thing here in the, in the States. I don't think, but that idea was so exciting to me because school was the time that I could leave. I could go out and I could see my friends. And so I've always had just this positive association with school. And then you add a dash of magic, suddenly you've sold me. And I've been a fan ever since like so many other people I've read the series hundreds of times and just I've, this, this fandom has been my entire life and I'm, Excited to always have it with me, and I look back on so many of the memories that I have from it so, so fondly.
0: Since you're so involved with the series from a young age, which both Stephen and I are also, and
1: um, Danny's Danny's laughing, just I'll bring Tyler into the joke. The listeners already know where this is going, um, because. Danny is of an age that is slightly more elderly than I. So when she says we were both involved and engaged in the series from a young age, what she means is for me, I was right around that. I was you know, in 2000, 2001, 2002. I was in kindergarten for second grade. Danny was probably graduating high school at that point.
0: Not um, true.
1: How old were you in 2000? In
0: 2014.
1: Okay, I was six. So for once, I feel my points have been vindicated. Usually it's just me piling on just for piling on sake. Uh-huh. This is actually, anywho, Danny, you had a question. So why don't you go ahead with the question? I'll go back on mute.
0: How do you go from being like so involved with the books and reading it to then creating a foundation that is inspired by Harry Potter? And how did that like come to be?
2: Yeah, that's a great question like so many others, I read this series and I get so many kind of really important life lessons out of it. And I mean, there have been studies about this. I'm sure we're all familiar and all the listeners are familiar as well, where if you read Harry Potter, it's proven that you're more likely to be a kinder person and, you know, think of others, altruism and that kind of thing. And so it's no surprise that when I look to my fellow fans, I see good people. I see people who want to do good in the world because they've been inspired by Harry, by Ron, by Neville, you know, all these great characters. And I found that as I was going through the series, I've always been interested in the plight of animals, the idea that we can help you know each other our fellow fans our fellow men women children uh, non-binary people but then we can also extend that kind of circle of compassion to others who we share the planet with and it was during a reread of fantastic beasts and where to find them the original companion book that i came across a bird named a whooper and you know she's mentioned like once in the series in the actual seven book series but this is this is a bird who not a lot of fans will actually recognize when you hear the name Whooper, uh, But in Fantastic Beasts, they have a really, really amazing story. And the story goes, their song is so powerful that if you listen to it for too long, you'll go insane. And so because of that, they're sold with a silencing charm. And to me, I found that analogy to be really really strong with how we view animals in our world. You know, we always say animals don't have a voice or oftentimes their their plight, their cruel, the cruelty that happens to them is ignored. And so we're kind of silencing them as well. And so I connected with the fulper and said, her voice shouldn't be silenced. She should be able to sing how she wants. She should be able to have her voice heard. And I wondered, surely there are other fans, there are other Harry Potter fans who care about animal rights as well. And when I looked, I couldn't find anybody, you know, I think I maybe found one uh, law article that was using Harry Potter as like a way to compare, you know, animal rights and the law when it comes to animals, but there was nobody actually talking about the overall philosophy and the analogies that were introduced to in the Harry Potter series. I mean, my gosh, we have an entire class dedicated to magical creatures. We have Hagrid who shows us time and time again, the amount of love that a, that a creature is afforded is not based on how cute and cuddly they are, but just their inherent worth. And so that that kind of excited me, knowing that I could take these amazing analogies, draw comparisons to what's actually happening in, in our world, in the non-magical world, and say, hey, if you love dragons too, why don't you help these dogs who are also forced to live at the end of a, of a really heavy chain? Why don't we... Use our love of Harry Potter to improve our world for the magical creatures in our world. So, we launched in 2015, after I had the idea in 2014, uh, as the Fwooper Foundation. But similar to what I was saying earlier, we found that not a lot of fans knew who the whooper was. <laughs> and, you know, it's all about branding these days. You gotta, you gotta, you know, brand yourself so that people know exactly who you are, what your mission is. Uh, but I, I am pretty proud because Our tagline when we were the Fwooper Foundation was "breaking the silencing charm." I mean, that that just—I still get chills when I think about that. (laughs) But after one more name change, we finally landed on the Protego Foundation, which you know we all know. Protego is a spell that shield that creates shields, uh, and it's Latin for "I protect." And that's really what we were trying to do with the Protego Foundation is harness the power of fandom to say we can protect those who are more, more vulnerable and really ensure that our fandom is the kindest fandom that it can be. So the Protego Foundation's mission is, and their goal is to create a wizarding fandom that is more considerate of the rights, feelings, and treatment of all creatures, regardless of size, species, and magical ability.
1: Well, and as much as I do want to tap in a bit deeper into kind of the connectivity between your personal passion and this professional pursuit, I would be remiss if I let the moment pass without saying, you know, for all of our listeners out there, you've presumably seen Tyler or the Protego Foundation's name in the news very recently, right? I know back over, I want to say it was like the holidays, I saw the Protect the Puffs uh, uh, initiative, uh, aimed at, at preventing the culling of badgers in the UK going around social media and going around the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, I know most recently and and perhaps more prominently, I saw um, you know the announcement about no longer using owls in live shows uh, at you know at the Universal Park experiences. I believe I'm sure you could probably clean that up with more accurate detail. <laughs> um, but you know this is this is something that isn't just hypothetical. It isn't just rhetoric. You know I. You know, when when you say you are fighting to protect and 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 you know, provide you know passion and care for animals, you know that aren't necessarily the cutest, and they don't have to be the cutest. This is something that's happening every day, um, and and it's just really cool to see a. You know, it's cool to see a fruit of a labor, right? Because I think, especially when it comes to the world of Harry Potter and and having Harry Potter inspired, the World inspired pursuits. It's so easy to get caught up in a lot of just the passion and not actually see any end result. And, and you've proven time and time again, that end results that are actually impactful and tangible are possible.
2: I'm gonna cry. You're gonna make me cry, Stephen.
1: <laughs> Look, I, it would not be the first time on this podcast. Usually it's more out of the awful things I say, uh, about the fanfics I've read or the jokes I make to Danny, but, um, I will chalk this one up as, as a good cry.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I, I do
1: I do want to touch a little bit because this is something I I personally am really fascinated by, and I had a conversation with a good friend of mine I grew up with. Uh, it's an old episode, way back in the archives for the listeners, with Amanda Frankel about this intersection of advocacy, organizing, and the wizarding world. I think a lot of times it it, it becomes very cliche to. For people to say, "Oh, you're just using another Harry Potter metaphor to talk about you know, like an issue that matters and you're just you need to stop, right? How have you found dedicating your entire mission and kind of you know branding and and kind of your 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 culture of the Protega Foundation around Harry Potter juxtaposed with that kind of exact core issue of trying to get real results?
2: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the Prodigga Foundation knows that we're not going to." animal liberation will not happen because of the Protego foundation we 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 know that but what we do know is that when you harness the power of a very dedicated fan base you can achieve amazing real world results and that's what we're excited about you know are, we're specifically trying to reach out to the Harry Potter fan, not your average person who cares about animals, because there are so many people nowadays who do care about animals, like, and that's exciting. But what we like to do is turn to our fellow fan and say, hey, fellow fan, you remember how Hermione stood up for house elves or dragons in the vaults of Gringotts? Why don't we come together and do that same thing in our fandom? And th- I mean, we all just have so much love for Harry Potter. And the idea that we could, you know, at the same time celebrate and go to the midnight releases for these films and these book releases and that kind of thing, at the same time that we do that, why can't we channel and harness our collective power to make real world change in our world? You know, you mentioned some of the past campaigns that we've worked on. We had a campaign called Erupt Rescue that came out after the first Fantastic Beast film came out. And we all know that that errumpants are rhinoceros looking magical creatures who live in Africa, uh, oftentimes confused with rhinoceroses. Uh, and so we thought, why don't we highlight rhinos and their, their poaching in Africa with errumpants? and what can we do to kind of harness collective power to improve the lives of rhinos who are often victims of poaching. Uh, So what we ended up doing was we created an exclusive t-shirt where fans could buy that shirt and all of the proceeds would go directly to a rhino sanctuary in South Africa that rescues and rehabilitates rhinos who have been the victim of poaching. Because I didn't know this until I started working on this campaign and I'm sure many listeners don't know either, but when rhinos are the victim of poaching, their, their horn is cut off and they're just left alive to suffer there. That's heartbreaking. And so this uh, sanctuary down in South Africa actually goes out, rescues them, heals them, and provides them with a protected life so that they can continue to live in as natural a setting as possible. That's something that the Protego Foundation and the Harry Potter fandom collectively, we were able to do. We were able to support that sanctuary that is on the ground rescuing these Injured individuals, and in addition to that, we also had a form where people could sign their name, and they're automatically sent a letter to the environmental minister of South Africa, asking her to increase protections for these rhinos. So we're really living in the spirit of Newt Scamander when we're saying we are out there trying to just rescue these magical creatures and really ensure that they're not hurt or being treated, you know, badly.
1: So I have to ask because look, I, I I've done more research than probably people would presume I did. Um, right. So I, I, I know your passion for animal liberation and for, and for caring for protecting animals comes from where you grew up. And, and I, I, I know how, you know, becoming a vegan ties into your story. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Because, you know, you have just explained in very explicit, concise terms how you have started this amazing nonprofit and everything from like entrepreneurship to to nonprofit management to, I have to imagine, a lot of people leadership and organizing and advocacy. There's a bit of international development, microfinance in there. Like there's all this <laughs> incredible stuff. What was like, you know, when you were in elementary school and the teacher yeah. always said, what do you want to be when you grew up? What was
2: your answer? My answer was always an astronaut. Uh, Like many, like many kids, you know, of course, everybody says astronaut, but I really, really wanted to go to space. I've always been obsessed with space. And then I think it was my fourth grade teacher told me that you have to have perfect vision without any kind of like corrective surgery or something. I don't know if it was true, but that really threw me for a loop. And I was like, oh no, I can't be an astronaut. I guess I better be an astrophysicist, you know, and I've always just wanted to be somehow involved with space. And it wasn't until I want to say college that, you know, I I founded the first ever Quidditch team in the state of Colorado at my local university. And I had a great time with it. It was so much fun, but I found that I wanted to do more with my life. And somebody had, you know, talked to me about um, just animals and what they were going through. You know, I I went to university and I was actually born and raised in a city in Northern Colorado where the main employer of the city is the local slaughterhouse. Uh, And so I I knew that that was a thing. And it wasn't until I I went to college that I actually started to explore that kind of idea of, you know, maybe I can work for a nonprofit. Maybe I can, you know, work in the nonprofit field and focus on helping animals uh, that it really started to kind of click for me. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of what you were saying, you know, a lot of those skills, a lot of those tasks, but At the end of the day, anybody can make change regardless of where you are, what your skills are. Everybody can choose to help make the lives of animals just a little bit better every single day.
1: You know, you said that every kid wants to be something like an astronaut or something sexy like that. I wanted to be a garbage truck man growing up. Um, I was just fascinated by the actual garbage truck, like the way that like the arm would pick up the, the can and the whole, I was fascinated by it. Danny, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I don't think I know this answer.
0: Marine biologist.
1: Okay. Well, that that checks out. Um, okay. Um,
0: I like oceans and ocean animals.
2: Oh, nice.
0: <laughs> so what is currently happening with Protego? I don't know if you've had... I know a lot of organizations have had a rough year because of the last year. Have you guys had to like adapt anything or um, are you working on anything specifically right now?
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we've been very fortunate in that right off the bat, we've had international support for our mission. Uh, I think it's just because it was such a new idea that was being introduced into the Harry Potter fandom and everybody was kind of just like, Oh yeah. Why didn't we think about that? Like, of course, And so because of that, the Partego Foundation has always been a kind of virtual, uh, anybody can get involved wherever you are kind of organization. So we didn't really feel too much of an impact actually last year. Last year, we actually brought in a lot of people onto our volunteer staff. You know, we're a 100% run volunteer organization. And we've done a lot of really exciting team growth that has allowed us to really put 2021 as this amazing year that we're really going to start kicking off. You know, right now... um, as of the recording of this episode, we're about two weeks away from our uh, end of, we have an annual fundraiser and it's about to end in about two weeks or so. Uh, But yeah, we've, we've got some really amazing plans for this year, especially surrounding the environment and how we all can, we often think that by helping the environment, you know, we're just helping the planet, right? Nature, trees, that kind of thing. But we often forget that Our pollution, our single-use plastic has an incredible adverse effect on the animals. And whether it's in the ocean, forests being cut down, you know these kind of things, helping the environment ultimately helps us and it helps the animals in addition to helping the planet. So we're going to have a campaign kind of centered around that launching here pretty soon actually. And then we have other campaigns focused on uh, horses forced to pull carriages in busy, uh, busy cities, busy streets, you know that kind of thing. And then animals used in the circus—that you know we were incredibly—I don't want to say excited because it's always awkward to say this, but you know I went to a pre-showing of *The Crimes of Grindelwald*, and like every other movie, I'm sitting there with you know my notepad and pen, and I'm taking notes on various different animal rights issues and, and analogies that we could probably use. And then we go to the Circus Arcanus. And I was like, oh no, here we go. Like, it's going to be, hey, yeah, circuses are bad in the muggle world, but in the wizarding world, it's okay. You know, this Grapphorn likes being like this. And I was like, okay, here we go. Let's see. But no, we got this amazing depiction of even in the wizarding world, animals are forced to perform tricks that are completely unnatural to them. They are kept in horrible conditions. I mean, my gosh, look at that Kappa tank that she's like chained to, you know, we have and, and in the first Fantastic Beast film, we have Newt Scamander in his in his suitcase telling us this is the last pair of mating graphorns in the world. But then if you watch The Crimes of Grindelwald and you see in the background, there's a graphorn there too. And she's painted and she's being ridden. And then we have the Zawu, who's this abused, beautiful Chinese creature in a cage. You know, it, it really did a really amazing job depicting what circuses are like even in a world full of magic and so we're going to have a campaign based around that that whole analogy as well so we have a lot of things coming up that we think our supporters and members are really going to love but ultimately we think the harry potter fandom is really going to connect to and we've had so much great support from various harry potter actors throughout the entire series i mean during this fundraiser, uh, Allison Sudol, who plays Queenie Goldstein in the Fantastic Beasts film, she was so kind enough to donate uh, a personalized video from her to one of our, you know, one of our members or supporters, which is so exciting to know that we have one of the four people, the four main characters in this amazing series like Fantastic Beasts when it comes to animal rights messages, uh, you know, supporting us. That was such a, such a mind-blowing experience for me. So yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time for us and we're just so optimistic about the future.
1: You also, and I don't know when Danny's going to release this episode. Listeners, know I'm useless. Um, so it probably at this point will have happened and, and no longer be a potential perk, but uh, I saw that Ellie Darcy Alden is, has volunteered to do a, uh, I'm assuming a Zoom or WebEx or some sort of video call um, with someone who donates the annual fundraiser And I must say, as listeners know, Ellie Ellie Dorsey Alden is one of my favorite actresses from the series. Um, If for no other reason than I accidentally shouted at her and her brother at LeakyCon Dallas in 2018. Wow. Uh, It was was a fun time. Look, I'll just say, on the off chance that she happens to listen, because I've told the story a lot of times before, but this is probably the closest connection in terms of, um, uh, you know, how, how many, what's the degrees there of separation there we go yes <laughs> look it's late um it's been a day um this is the closest this is the closest degrees of separation i've gotten to ellie darcy olden so ellie hello um huh. <laughs> at leaky dallas in 2018 our group of friends brandy chelsea uh danny myself um we were trying to get a photo uh, in front of that big leaky banner that was hanging in the main hall and the fatal flaw of like brandy chelsea Danny to some extent too, or they are afraid to like speak up and kind of put themselves out there just for like random things like that. Mm-hmm. So we watched like 40 people pass by and like no one said a word like, Hey, uh, so can you take her? It was just, I was getting so pissed off. So I said, the next person that I see come by, I don't care who they are. I am grabbing them and saying, take our photo. Uh-huh. And so like, like, like on a Broadway stage, like you couldn't have scripted this any better. I turn and I just say, Hey, please take our photo. And it's a startled Ellie Darcy Alden and her brother. And they were just like, you, you would, you would have thought I was trying to mug them in a Manhattan street. I felt so bad, but we got a photo and we didn't think to ask her to be in it. Cause it all happened in the moment. But, um, I did apologize the next day when I was getting my autograph put there because they recognized me because I'm the six foot three guy in khakis, um, so I was like, hey, I'm really sorry. And they're like, oh, it's all good. It was it made us laugh. And anywho,
2: that's my story. So, uh, <laughs> fun times, fun times. It's probably the best uh, Harry Potter celebrity story that I've ever ever heard.
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's definitely one that's good for all time zones. I've heard some others where people have been at after events with some of the the actors, and there's been drinks involved and people are getting crazy, but. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a family story that that you know you only know. makes me look like a fool and nobody else.
2: <laughs> I was uh, yeah. As as some of your listeners might know, I co-hosted a podcast with Evanna Lynch, who plays Luna Lovegood, and uh, Robbie Jarvis, who plays young James Potter. Uh, and when I got the invite to be the host, of one of the co-hosts on the show, um, I fell down the stairs a little bit in a Seattle. Uh, subway. I was like walking down the stairs and I got the message and I like tripped a little bit. <laughs> so I understand the, uh, the kind of, Oh my, you know, kind of sh- sudden shock of Potter celebrity stardom. <laughs> well, it's like, you're looking at my notes and I
1: don't have notes, but it's like, you're looking at them. So talk to us. I know there's the chick peeps pod. There's also Portago cast. Um, I'm not usually a fan of promoting other podcasts on my podcast, but you know, this one I'm going to let slide. Um, Talk to us about either or about both. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you clearly are someone who is well-spoken and articulate and has a voice and a message they want to get out there. So, so
2: you know, how, how do these podcasts
1: come to be for you?
2: Yeah, so our very first celebrity supporter for the what we were at the time, the Whooper Foundation Um was ivana Lynch. I mean, she she was the most outspoken when it comes to her support of animal rights and her vegan lifestyle that we were like, oh, of course, we have to reach out to her and see if we can work together. And, you know, we, we ended up striking up a conversation on Twitter. Um, she ended up following us. It, it, she blew us up and we are forever thankful to that or to her for that. Um, and as some of your listeners might know, I used to work for, for the youth division of PETA and I was on set as a, um, what was the term that they gave me? A Harry Potter, no. Oh, a Harry Potter continuity expert because Ivana had agreed to you know be on set and do like a promotional video for the organization. And so I was like, okay, cool. So of course, and, and this is, I think, every Harry Potter fan's story, but wherever I went growing up, I was always first and foremost known as the Harry Potter kid. I mean, we, I'm sure we all listening to the show can relate to that. So of course at my new job, they were like, Tyler, you're the Harry Potter kid. We need you on set. And so I was like, okay, cool. So I get to be credited as the Harry Potter continuity expert. Uh, So I'm on set, you know, and I introduced myself and she's like, wait, you're Tyler from the, and I was like, yep, that's me. That's me. And so, you know, we struck up a conversation and afterwards she mentioned how, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm having this idea for a podcast. I would love to, you know, maybe have you on just as a guest, have uh, you're a Harry Potter fan who works in animal rights. I'd love to have you on as a guest. So I was like, sure. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and as I mentioned, I was in Seattle at a, at a different convention. I think it was an anime convention actually. And I'm walking down the stairs at the end of the day, going to catch a bus. Cause a lot of the buses are underground in Seattle for some reason. Uh, and I got the direct message from her and she was like, do you actually want to just be one of the permanent co-hosts? And I kind of like slipped. I like, Oh my God. Like, sure. So it's been a wild, wildly fun ride. I've been able to speak to some of my activist heroes. Uh, And in addition to that, we've been able to, you know, we just wrapped up our third season. We're going to start season four later on this year in the fall Q4, but yeah, it's just been, I'm so thankful for it. We, we do really fun Harry Potter episodes uh, where we explore animal rights themes in the wizarding world. And always those are always my favorite episodes and a lot of our listeners' favorite episodes as well. And I think after the first one in season one, I was like, this is something that the Protego Foundation should probably do. Like, can we do a, a full podcast, 100%, only on exploring the animal rights themes in the wizarding world? So I turned to my friend Jordan, who uh, was the director of marketing for the Protego Foundation, big Harry Potter fan. Uh, and I was like, can you direct this show? And she's been directing the show and doing an amazing, amazing job. And I was like, we need one more person just to kind of balance it out. And my friend, Emma, who is the senior editor of the Leaky Cauldron fan site, amazing fan site, uh, she had been not pestering, but really been like, Hey, I would love to help the Partago Foundation in any way that I can. I was like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, wait, this would be a really, really cool experience to have her on the show because her editorial like just abilities blew my mind. So having them both on the show and, you know, we've had a lot of guests we've been able to explore so many different themes, whether it's Hermione Granger herself, mermaids, uh, circuses, you know, all these different various animal rights in the wizarding world themes that, you know, Protego cast is probably one of my favorite projects that we do just because I do love the audio format. I love doing podcasts. And I think that, um, a lot of people in the Harry Potter fandom do as well, you know, and we've had great reactions to it. So yeah, it's just, it's been a hoop. Both shows are great. Um, And I really like, I really like doing the podcast stuff. Hence today.
1: (laughs) Danny, who, Danny, who is the singular actor or actress from the wizarding World canonical film series that you would leave me for? (laughs) if they said hey if someone said hey danny i really love what you do on creating magic but you gotta get rid of that muggle and khakis guy let's start a podcast together who's the one that you're saying sorry steven you're gone
0: Oh. oh that is a really good question maybe tom felton He'd be a fun conversation. See, the thing is that you're the articulate one on the podcast, so I need someone that is oh, articulate. Oh, that's a,
1: that's a sad state of affairs for Creating Magic <laughs> Podcast, let me tell you.
0: I rely on you for a lot of conversation moving along. As you can see, I can't even speak, but I that, that would have to... You would probably just leave me for anyone that offered to be on the podcast.
1: That's not entirely true. I was putting thought into this over the last 30 seconds, and... I think Chris Rankin is a natural target because he is just so brilliantly passionate about a lot of you know equality and, and he's someone who is really good at intermingling social activism with just everyday passions in life and I love that but also Jason Isaacs would be incredible. Cause he's also an activist in and of his own right. He was on the West wing, which is arguably one of my favorite, not arguably is probably one of my favorite television shows of all time. Um, had a nice little story arc there all to do with the Palestinian conflict. You know, he he's been in so many cool properties and franchises um, including I learned the other week, I think uh, clone wars. Is that correct? Someone fact checked really? me on that. Um, I, he has a turn as one of the the baddies in either Clone Wars or Rebels, but my, my gut instinct wants to tell me Clone Wars. Um, mm. So I recognize the voice, and it was almost like that, kind of like when he was talking to Dobby. It's was like, wait a minute, I recognize that inflection. Mm. Uh, anywho, that's all to say that Danny, you know. Star Wars love, Rebels? It was Rebels. I knew it was one of the two. Uh-huh. And on
0: the other side of the Star fandom, he was also in Star Trek.
1: <laughs> I He's knew separate. about the Star Trek one. Yeah, Yeah,
0: he was in Discovery.
1: Regardless, Chris, I know you listen. Um, Jason, I don't know if you do, but, um, you know, hit me up. Let's talk.
0: Pretty much you just said, hit me up so I can fire Danny.
1: Yes, I can leave Danny. (laughs) Well, Danny, I can't fire you. This is your podcast. I don't think I have the ability to fire you. I would just have to go leave and start a new venture, which, you know, that's a lot of work. And I'm not sure if I'm cut out for that. Um, Before we get into some slew of Harry Potter questions. Danny, I know we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but if you'll indulge me, Tyler, I, if you want to dedicate a couple minutes here, um, I am on my own personal health journey. And let me say that I am nowhere close to being anyone who could talk to others about whatever I've done. Cause I don't even know if it's working, whatever working might mean. Um, but as someone who has been um, dedicated to a healthier lifestyle, and I think uh, you went vegan in 2012, yeah mhm just talk to us for a couple minutes about what that's been like, and obviously i the reason why is so clear, but in terms of how it's changed your life, so to speak, uh, feel free to tell us about that
2: yeah this is This is a topic that we often kind of work through on the chickpeeps. You know, the whole point of the chickpeeps is to be a friendly weekly vegan podcast that welcomes in anybody who is just even curious about the lifestyle and the various different aspects of it, because like any kind of social justice movement, animal rights is so nuanced and there are so many different, you know, wheel and spoke kind of things and branches to it and roots. Um, and I know that a lot of people do get involved uh, in plant-based eating for their health. You know, uh, more and more doctors nowadays are recommending it. And of course, you know, none of us are doctors and, you know, speak to whoever you are working with, uh, for, you know, your own medical advice. But at the end of the day, I know so many people whose lives have changed for the better, uh, by just incorporating more of these plant-based foods. And now more than ever, it is never been easier. It's really, really exciting to see this explosion in plant-based products and plant-based eating. I mean, one of the the campaigns that the Protego Foundation had was uh, our Accio Vegan Butterbeer campaign. And right off the bat, it sounds like that's just a campaign for vegans, right? Blah, blah, blah. But really at the heart of it, what we were trying to do was ensure accessibility to one of the most iconic and nostalgic drinks for Harry Potter fans, regardless of your dietary preferences. We know that Um, an intolerance to lactose and milk products is one of the most common allergens that people have, especially uh, people of color. And so we wanted to ensure that helping our, our fellow Harry Potter fans have this drink it, it, you know, was a really big priority for us. But in addition to that, helping the mother cows, giving, some, giving them a little bit of reprieve from what they have to go through on today's commercial factory farms and, you know, that kind of thing. So our Accio Vegan Butterbeer campaign was wildly successful because it really put the Protego Foundation on the map. I mean, we had Ivana um support us. We had Robbie Jarvis support us. So many people came out, you know, it was the first Protego Foundation campaign that got mainstream uh coverage in you know what we would call muggle press. And it was really exciting to see so many people come out and say, yes, this is great for for animals, but it's also better for people who don't want to feel sick at the most magical place for us as Potter fans. And so luckily last year we were so ecstatic to see that for the first time ever we now have an officially licensed vegan butterbeer product up until that point i think there's six butterbeer themed products at the wizarding world of harry potter that and all of them contain a dairy product there is no way to make them not uh dairy free and a lot of people will say the base of the butterbeer is not uh does not have dairy in it but it's that foam topping that due to uh licensing and contractual agreements with warner brothers Universal cannot serve that drink without it. And trust me when I say I have tried every single way to get a butterbeer without that darn foam, uh, and it's just impossible. So we were really excited to see that Warner Brothers introduced the bottled butterbeer that is being sold at the Warner Brothers Studio Tour in London, and we are going to be pushing to ensure that it comes stateside as well the Harry Potter store that's launching in New York. We're assuming that it's going to be there, but we're really going to be pushing to ensure that it it is going to be in Hollywood at the Wizarding World of uh, Harry Potter there in Universal Studios Orlando, in Osaka, in Beijing, that's about to open. So at the end of the day, plant-based eating can help so many people with so many different things. And I would encourage everybody to watch the documentary uh, Forks Over Knives on Netflix. Great, great documentary. uh, And also What the Health. That's that's a great one. And for people who are athletes, uh, my fellow Quidditch players, uh, I would also recommend Game Changers on, I think it's on Netflix as well. So, yeah.
0: He may have to reassess his Butterbeer rankings.
2: No,
1: I just, well, first off, let me just say, and at this point, I would imagine like 70 episodes in, I've already kind of uh, put the kibosh in any chances I had at ever working at... Warner media. Uh, but how stupid is that? Right? Like I understand there's some contractual stuff, whatever, but like if I order a cheeseburger and I'm like, Hey, I don't want cheese. They accommodate that even though, though it's no longer a cheeseburger at that point.
0: No, I, I like that. And I like that as an option, even especially for, I know so many people and I see so many conversations about what people can eat in part in the parks. Mm-hmm. So and it's slowly beginning to change, and yeah. even the accessibility of vegan and vegetarian options. Um, mm-hmm. I remember I lived in Denver uh, for. I weirdly lived in Denver. I was based out of Denver for two years with AmeriCorps. Cool. Um, and I'm not a big meat eater, but living there made it so much easier because compared to Pennsylvania. My favorite restaurant, and I go every time I'm in Colorado, is Watercourse.
2: Oh, yum. <laughs> it's yes.
0: my favorite place.
2: <laughs> For listeners who don't know, Watercourse is an amazing vegan restaurant here in uh, in Denver. It's amazing. Very, very tasty. Uh, so. Would highly recommend. And that's, that's the cool thing, too, about the Proteo Foundation is everybody's on their journey, right? And when it comes to activism, you in no way, shape, or form do you have to be vegan do you have to be eating plant based to get involved with us if we only relied on people who call themselves vegan we would never get anywhere because that's just not a lot of people you know it's growing of course but that's just there's hardly anyone there so at the end of the day what we want is harry potter fans who care about helping animals and wanting to make the world a better place for the non magical creatures in our world that's that's really whether you want to get rid of, you know, animals used in circuses, if you want to ensure that horses don't have to pull carriages in the busy, in the middle of busy New York streets, all of those things, you can join us.
1: Let me tell you, I, 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 I loathe horse-drawn carriages wherever I see them, but my folks live outside of Charleston now. And so I'm down in the Charleston area, you know, more than the average person would be. And seeing those horses in those hot as hell Charleston streets, that makes my heart hurt.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, breathing in exhaust fumes every day and just yeah, it's 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 going to be one of my favorite campaigns. I already know. So, um, well, before we spin out
1: of purely Protago Foundation conversation and get into some random Harry Potter questions. Uh, want to leave us with a tag of how listeners can get engaged with Protego Foundation right here and now?
2: Absolutely. So anybody who you know has been listening to this and says, yes, I do want to help make the world a better place for the magical creatures in our world through my love of the Wizarding World fandom, just head to protegofoundation.org. That's P-R-O-T-E-G-O and then foundation.org. And then you can also find us on social media. I believe on Twitter, we're Protego FDN, short for foundation, uh, but that's pooper Demiguy's Niffler FDN uh, on Instagram at Protego Foundation. And then on Facebook, the Protego Foundation.
0: Perfect. So definitely go check them out. And then we're going to start with some Harry Potter opinion-based questions
2: here we go. This, I was like preparing, uh, and I was like, this is going to be the one that's going to be like the one that's going to make me sweat.
0: Favorite book, favorite movie, least favorite book, least favorite movie.
2: Favorite book, half Life Prince, a million times half Life Prince. My, well, we'll probably get into this in a little bit, but we'll circle around to it. Uh, my least favorite book, Order of the Phoenix, so long. There's a lot of stuff in there. Um I've I've always always felt like it's it was the author's like rebellion against her deadline that she had for Goblet of Fire. And so she was just like, cool, I have no deadline. I'm gonna make this incredibly long, just so I can. Great stuff. Don't get me wrong, a lot of good stuff in there, but it's always the biggest chore when I do my reread is, is getting through Order of the Phoenix. Favorite movie? would have to be Philosopher's Stone for sure, just because of the, the nostalgia for it. And I have always felt that those first two films, Philosopher's Stone and Chamber of Secrets did the best at capturing the magic that was in my head and how the wizarding world looked and felt and the kind of tones of it. Um, and then least favorite film is Half-Blood Prince just because and I feel, I feel bad saying this, but they did not do my book justice and, half of prince is my book and it just it it was really really flat for me
0: (laughs) i think we're most critical on our favorite books when it translates to movies
2: Mm
1: -hmm. well especially i mean especially with v's right because i mean you know listeners think back like 40 minutes ago to tyler talking about what this series meant growing up and and how you're able to escape into these, you know, magical corridors and walls and you're able to go on these adventures and all this great stuff. Right. And imagine growing up. I mean, I don't have, you don't have to imagine as listeners, you did this, right. We all grew up living, breathing, loving, and and being so endeared to this series. And i you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast, but you know, there are some changes you have to make when it comes to a book to a movie. because That's just inherent to the d- different medium. Um, but, oh, yeah, there are just some rough things that happen. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's Goblet of Fire, but but I'm not too far behind on Half-Blood Prince.
2: Nice. Nice. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: If you are at Hogwarts, you as you, no matter what. Wait, wait, you as
1: you as opposed to you as who. <laughs> like, <laughs> you imagine you're in Hogwarts. You as former British Prime Minister Tony Blair. Sure. Um, sure. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pretend that I know who that is. <laughs>
1: uh, he's just a former politician. It doesn't matter. He 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 is as irrelevant as most of the things I kind of spout off during
2: on this podcast. <laughs> no matter the generation
0: of the character. Who would your friend group be?
2: I've been asked this question before. And the last time I was asked it, everybody was like, oh, of course, Newt Scamander, right? Newt's Commander would be like your best friend. And I don't think Newt and I would get along. I think we would work well together. Like we would be, you know, president and vice president of the magical creature liberation club at Hogwarts or something. But we're two very different personalities. And so I don't think that we would uh, do well together. I think if I had to guess, I could see myself kind of tagging along with McGonagall somehow. She, Her her focus on studies and, and everything, I, I get really absorbed in, you know, whether I'm working on Protego stuff or something else with the Wizarding World fandom. But I think there's always been something about McGonagall, McGonagall that I've loved about her and just wish that I could be her friend and just sit and talk to her. Just... Have lunch and just hear her story. You know, and that's that's one of the reasons why I was so excited on Pottermore when we got her full backstory because, ah, uh, she's just a great, great character. So I would have to say McGonagall or maybe Albus Dumbledore. Just sitting with him, being his friend, talking about you know this big picture idea for the Wizarding World. Of course, we know kind of where that went with Geller, but not not you know Muggle supremacy aside. Uh, Dumbledore's kind of ideas are just so fascinating. I think it'd be really cool to have him as a friend.
1: And like not to wholly excuse away Dumbledore's like Loki troubling uh, idealism of youth, but a lot of that seems at least the way they position it is down to like his infatuation lust, love for Grindelwald. And look, I've done a lot of stupid shit for women before, so I get it. (laughs) Like I, I... Look, my my I now have five, but my first tattoo was holy because a girlfriend at the time wanted me to get one. So like I I haven't gone so far as to say I want to commit like genocide against you know massive parts of the population like right. kind of
2: sort of intimated, but I get it. Um,
1: yeah, you know we've yeah. all we've, we've all been
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> sure, planning the downfall of an entire population. Yeah, we've all been there. We've been there. <laughs> uh, who? Of all of the magical creatures
1: that we see through the seven Potter books, eight Potter movies, which in your opinion, was the best rendered on screen and which needed the most improvement?
2: Wow. That's a great question. You know, I say this, no, I wasn't going to say the basilisk, but she's missing the, the plume on top of her head or I guess it's only for male vassals actually. Um, I really think Thestrals were really, really well done. And unfortunately we don't get a lot of representation of magical creatures in in the eight part film. Um, They're often left behind. And we know that that's one of the reasons why Dobby was cut out of a lot of the key points is because of budget and they didn't want to render the CGI, et cetera. Um, But yeah, I really loved Thestrals. I remember sitting at the midnight premiere or not premiere, one of the midnight showings. Um, And I watched as a festral came up out of the Forbidden Forest, You know, circled in that scene and came right back down. And just that scene struck me. It brought a little bit of a tear to my eye, as kind of cheesy as that sounds. But that was a beautiful scene. And the festrals that we saw on screen were pretty, pretty close to how I envisioned them in my head. So I would have to say festrals.
0: Do you have an answer to the least what sorry, I'm trying to think of how you worded that.
1: Well yeah, if that, if you know you really so like for instance, I, I I don't know about the nuances of calling him a creature versus a, you know, semi-human, but like grop was just not brought to screen very well whatsoever, right? Like, yeah is there, whether it's the scroots or whether it's the fact that things like the Sphinx didn't even make it into the movie, right? Like what stands, is there anything that stands out as like, oh, they either didn't do this well or how come they didn't do this at all?
2: I mean, my, when when Danny was kind of asking the question, immediately my, my mind did go to Groff because we can all agree, poopy, not good <laughs> at all. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, poor guy, you know, I feel so bad. Um I would have loved to see more centaurs in the first film. And, uh, you know, I, and just in general, in Half-Life Prince, I would have loved to see Dumbledore's funeral and all the magical creatures, the Murn people and the centaurs who, who came to visit. But yeah, Grop comes to mind as the least effective. And when it comes to magical creatures who are left out, I know that they make such a big appearance in the Fantastic Beasts fil- film series, but I love I would have loved to see the Nifflers that Fred and George set loose in Umbridge's office. You know, like how I love the Nifflers and to have seen them introduced in the Potter films would have been really, really exciting. Um, but yeah, the scroots, I mean, no, there are no scroots, which is such a bummer, which I was so happy to see with Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure that there, there is a Scroot and he looks amazing. Uh, exactly how I envisioned. So yeah, I I love, love the scroots. And I would have probably, I wanted to see more Acromantulas. I've always had this, this uh, reoccurring dream that I'm walking into an office and I have like a giant spider on a leash and you know how people like bring their dogs into the office. I always have this reoccurring dream of a giant spider on a leash and she like crawls up underneath, you know, my desk and like sits there and, you know, she'll come to meetings with me. Steven's
0: so out right now.
2: (laughs) This was such a great conversation.
1: I was really (laughs) vibing with you. I'm like, I'm ready to run through some walls for the Protego Foundation and then you got to bring in the Acromantulas. And I just, that would be like, that would be like having, and I'm sure I'm going to, no, I'm not even going to go there. That's a bad metaphor. No, that that's just a bad idea. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, if, if we're, Danny, if we're keeping a list, which I know we are, of opinions that people have on this podcast that are facts for Steven, the, the ranking of Dumbledores is certainly one. And Acromantulas as a pet, is the other those are just <laughs> things that, like i'm sorry there's no wiggle room right yeah there's just not that's oh after yeah.
2: after the show you're gonna have to tell me your rankings of dumbledore because i would love to hear those oh after the show let's do it right now what are let's your go.
1: rankings of dumbledore we've seen three portrayals how do you yeah. feel about them
2: uh well four portrayals
0: yes four yeah. there's two after... wait one two three.
2: four so there's harris gambin um jude law and then a young, young, young Dumbledore.
1: Oh, okay. I'm not including that. For,
2: no. It, okay.
1: Unless, look, unless we happen to get in the future, Fantastic Beasts significant amount of flashback material mm. for that for the for the actors who we actually have a significant body of work for so far.
2: Sure. Sure. You know, it's always tough when this conversation comes up because I can't imagine the amazing Richard Harris moving the same way that Michael Gambon does in Order of the Phoenix. I mean. Merlin, rest his soul. He was an amazing, amazing actor. And at the time, he was my Dumbledore. But, you know, when we got Order of the Phoenix, I could not see him moving with that swiftness, that agility that the author does a great job of painting Dumbledore moving in. I don't think I could have seen that. So I'm going to have to say Gambon, Harris, well, and Jude Law is doing a pretty good job. I'll have to see more of Jude Law.
1: And the and TBD on Jude Law is fair. I will say that's yeah. totally fair. That's not the first time we've heard that opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I wholly, wholly agree that Richard Harris, Merlin Blossom could not have done a lot of the physical stuff that happens as uh, the, the series progresses. Mm-hmm. But taking that out, because that's. Or trying to factor that out and, and start, you know, zeroing the scales. Yeah. In terms of personality, in terms of approach, in terms of delivery in terms of presence richard harris seems to get it like very much understands um and michael Gambon, is just ah oh, poor bastard it's just he he seems cold and or confused and or angry uh possibly senile at times but not in like a fun way like like book Dumbledore is supposed to be but yeah. more in like a I don't really care if multiple students die in my charge kind of way. And mm-hmm. that's just troublesome for me. Um, and I really like, I like what Jude Law is doing so far. Um, yeah. He he gets, he has the twinkle in his eye
2: mm-hmm. and
1: like, he's always down for a fun time, but he always knows how the fun time is going to end. Like he always has the end goal in sight and I'm here for that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel so bad for any actor who has to take on the role of Dumbledore because those are some big high heeled boots to feel to to fill. So
1: oh it's not easy but like to some extent michael gammon shot himself in the foot because he's admitted before that he never read the original text Mm -hmm. and i certainly i understand that you have a script and that's what a script is for but when the script is based and is adapted off of a pretty illustrious and uh uh, author issues aside very well regarded you know source material you should probably read the books just think it might
2: help crack one of those bad boys open (laughs)
1: <laughs> and they're not, and it's not like they're, you know, dance of dragons or a feast for crows where they're like seven years long. It, they're, yeah. they're
2: pretty manageable books. Mm-hmm. It,
1: it, he's never coming on the podcast. I know that. <laughs> I think I've got an outside, outside, outside shot at Ellie coming on one day. Uh-huh. Um, I know that I will never in my lifetime have the good, the good opportunity to meet Michael Gambon. And I am sorry for that, but my guy, you just, you're a great actor. You did not nail it with with this.
2: It's all very fair.
1: Boy Danny, I haven't ranted about that in
2: a while. No,
0: that, it's it's been a, it's a nice refresher for everyone.
2: It's been a couple months. Glad I can bring that out. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, final question.
2: Okay.
0: As we are aware, Star Wars is getting all new content. Yeah. What content would you like to see from the Wizarding World universe?
2: This is an amazing question because I have to put aside my Harry Potter fan, fan for a second and think Harry Potter business side. So what do we know, right? We know that Warner Brothers currently has the rights for Quidditch Through the Ages. They have the film rights for that. They also acquired the film rights for The Tales of Beedle the Bard. So in theory, something regarding those properties should be coming soon. I love The Tales of Beedle the Bard so, so, so much. Um so I would love to see something like that. Now, if I'm speaking Harry Potter fan-wise, I know that the the common question or the common answer is probably the Marauders or Hogwarts founders, you know, that kind of thing. I guess I'd be interested in something like that. More the Hogwarts founders than the Marauders personally. I would love to see something completely brand new. And this is another, you know, thing where I have to separate my Harry Potter business from my Harry Potter fan. My Harry Potter fan side what I would want is not going to be good for Harry Potter business. I want like a ministry of magic, like series that's all talking about the kind of mundane, you know, the, the, just the random stuff, the wizarding world politics and government. Like, I don't know. I, I, that's, that's my heart. And that's always the stuff that I've loved. Anytime that there's a mention of the international confederation of wizards or, you know, the wizarding, I'm always just like, Ooh, what are they up to? You know? But he, I know that that's not going to be good for the average, the casual fan, you know, who's seen the films only or even who's read the books. Is that really going to make for a great HBO Max series? I'm not sure. Do I want it? Yes, I do.
1: I want like a C, a B or C plot for an entire season all about the report on Cauldron Bottom Thickness. I oh think that would be great. Yes. Right? Like if it's Veep, it's kind of like a Jonah uh you know, kind of level plot. If it's Uh West Wing, it's like something Donna would get into. Um, If it's House of Cards, I stopped watching after it got too unrealistic, but it's something that the Secret Service agent would get into. I don't really remember. But yeah, oh yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. that's that's what I want. Something about the Daily Prophet, you know, what it's like to work in a wizarding newspaper. Just lame stuff like that. And and I know that the original Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them film that was proposed by Warner Brothers was going to be a mockumentary, like a nature mockumentary, which I was really excited for. And then I was like, when we got the first Fantastic Beast film, I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is going to be even better. And then after Kinds of Grindelwald, I was like, can we go back to that nature mockumentary? Can we just <laughs> go back to that? Cause we need to talk about this.
0: <laughs> I am still all for our. Pod inspiration, Jason Conception's idea of law and order. I'm like all game for uh, that. That is what I want in my life.
2: Sure, that would be a good one. Mm-hmm.
0: Led by Kingsley. That's what. That's what I need. I don't want like Ron and Harry as ors. I don't want that. I no. want like. Well, Kingsley. I kind of want
1: Ron. I kind of want to see Ron going through training because I kind of want to see the reactions of like Kingsley being like this kid saved the wizarding world like he just, <laughs> shot, he just shot himself in the stomach with a spell he yeah. like, th- this one this are you sure the, this, guy?
0: this was the choice
1: He yeah, had nobody else? did anyone
0: look at his resume yeah I <laughs> don't we head into some creator shout outs so we enjoy <laughs> shouting out people Places, organizations, anything they are just enjoying their content. So, Tyler, do you have anyone you would like to shout out?
2: Yeah, lately I've been really enjoying the content. For I mean, you've you've mentioned her so many times, Stephen, uh, but Ellie Darcy Alden. She just posted about the Protego Foundation on her Instagram stories and how she's supporting us in the fundraiser. Um, her she's she's been doing a lot of like really fun Instagram story cooking videos that I've really been enjoying. Um, so. Definitely checking her out. And then Brown and Loban, the, the wand makers. Wow. I mean, if you want to see beautiful wand photos and just beautiful wands with the amazing handmade detail that could rival Ollivander's you have to check out uh, Brown and Loban on Instagram. They've also donated a bunch of uh, custom-made ones to the Protego Foundation's annual fundraiser. So thank you so much. Um, But yes, definitely check them out. Really, really enjoying their content. Steven. So my first is going to
1: be a shameless plug because of course it is. Um, I want to shout out Roosevelt's, which is an apparel company. um, RSVLTS is their their moniker on social media. Uh, they have a lot of really cool short sleeve button ups, including, but certainly not limited to a handful of Pixar themed ones. There's a couple different Pixar shirts that just are really cool. Um, and then they have a couple Toy Story specific collaborations. The space Ranger one looks awesome. Woody's roundup. Really a big fan of that gamma quadrant. I would rock that. And Roosevelt's your social media manager may be wondering why is this Harry Potter podcast shouting out pixar collaborations let me also point out if you were looking to send free merch to someone who would always be down to rep it and promote it that i also happen to host a pin podcast that focuses primarily on pins that are inspired by uh, all things house of mouse so that's the pin pod by the way go subscribe to the pin pod at the pin pod um Really, really love those shirts, and uh, if I don't hear from y'all, I may end up copying one myself. We'll see. You're based in Hoboken, Jersey Proud. Love that. Um, My second shout-out for today, it would help if I had it pulled up, of course, right as I was going to talk about it. There we go. One of my good pin friends, Marshall at Magically Marshall, made me and shipped me this incredible pin board. Like, absolutely incredible. It's massive. It's massive. Um, it, it, it's beautiful and ornate. I'll put a photo up and I'm really excited to be able to fill it. Cause as my pin friends know, I don't really have any pin display apparatus at this point. They kind of all just sit on shelves because with all the moves I've made, I am just too lazy and, or not nearly creative enough to actually put thought into how to display them. So super excited for that. Marshall, you're the best. Magically Marshall is her Instagram. Y'all go give her some love, Danny. That's who I got this week.
0: All right, and I am shouting out Steam and Kittens on the gram. She has been doing a bunch of unboxing videos and bringing some fun Harry Potter and Disney content.
1: When you started that out with the the consonant like S T E, I thought you were about to say me. I thought you were about to shout me out, and I was really excited. Like, and I'm going to shout out Steve. And no, it was some other person. And I'm sure you're great, but. Follow muggling and Khakis. And look, even if you don't follow me, just, you know, encourage Danny to show me more appreciation on the podcast. I'd be fine with that too.
0: <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, Tyler.
2: It's been a hoot. This is fantastic.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Pending on what the status of a week in Denver looks like. Hopefully we can run into you there.
2: Yeah, you know I'll be there. The Pacheco Foundation is going to have a booth and everything. We're going to be hosting some great panels, so if it goes on, we'll be there, and probably Orlando as well, so we're going to be wherever a Alihicon will be.
0: As oh, will we. Yes. <laughs> Either way, we will be, as long as it is happening, we will be there.
2: Yeah, so excited.
0: <laughs> and that's our pod. Boom.
1: was expelled